We now, with all respect, put ourselves on the discipline of the holy law of the Lord, and let us test our lives on it as on the rule of thankfulness. And after the reading of the law, we respond singing Psalm 119, the verses 27 and 29. God speaks all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor a male servant, nor a female servant, nor a cattle, nor a stranger is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not cover your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife. Nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's.
I'm going to lead you in prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, you brought us together in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, and we may celebrate the victory over Satan and death. Through his complete obedience, he gained over Satan and rose again from the grave. He lives. And we have received eternal life in him. And we may share in all his gifts. And in the end, we will receive eternal life. Your victory is a complete one. There are no powers left which can separate us from your love as we have received in Jesus Christ, your Son. And therefore we, who receive your grace, owe and render eternal thanks to you alone. And although we may receive your grace as an undeserved gift, this does not act upon us as if we are blocks and stones. You have granted us the responsibility to serve you. Make then our will spiritual life, heal it, correct our will. Give that in our lives, where formerly the rebellion and resistance of the, fleshly, of the flesh fully dominated, the obedience of your spirit begins to prevail. And because the wonderful maker of all good does deal with us, we are filled with hope that we may share in Christ's benefits. You, as the Almighty God, has brought forth and sustained our natural life through the use of food and drink. Give that in the same way we may use the means of our spiritual life. For you have given as food for our soul your word, as the gospel of our salvation, and as seed of our regeneration, Help us then to use the means you have given us. Give that we are willing to listen to and to live under the preaching of your word. Your grace is conferred to us through the preaching of the gospel. And the more readily we make it our own and live by it, the more glory and honor you will receive and the more good works we will produce. And bind us all together through your word and spirit. We thank you that all kinds of people find a place of rest in your house. And we ask of us, you ask of us that we share our gifts for the benefit of our brothers and sisters. Help us to listen carefully when we may hear the gospel. Help us to receive your word and to live by your word and fight against our sins all the day of our lives, and may receive the crown of life at Christ's coming to you alone, both for your means and for the saving fruits and efficacy, all glory is due throughout eternity. Amen.
First, we'll read two passages from Scripture. First is the Old Testament in the book of Exodus, Exodus 23, verse 20 to 33. And then we'll turn to the New Testament, to Timothy 2, and we'll read the verses 8 to 13. And after the reading of Scripture, we will sing together Psalm 79, the verses 1, 3, and 5. Let us then first turn to Exodus 23, and we'll read the verses 20 to 33. Verse 20. Behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and bring you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces." You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you, and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come, and I will make all your enemies turn their back on, backs on you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land becomes desolate, and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you, until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines, and from the wilderness of the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Let us then turn also to the New Testament. The second epistle of Paul to Timothy, 2 Timothy 2, and we'll read the verses 8 to 13. Two Timothy 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as priest in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. 
But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself.
This morning I'm going to preach you the gospel, as you will find it in the book of Judges, Judges 2, the verses 1 to 5, but we will read it also in its context, and we'll read also chapter 1. Judges 1. After the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired to the Lord, Who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? The Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hands. And Judah said to Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into the territory allotted to me, that you may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with you into the territory allotted to you. So Simeon went with him. Then Judah went up, and the Lord gave the Canaanites and the Philistines into their hands, and they defeated 10,000 of them at Bezek. They found Adonai Bezek at Bezek, and fought against him, and defeated the Canaanites and the Philistines. Adonai Bezek fled, but they pursued him, and caught him, and cut off his thumbs and big toes. And Adonai Bezak said, Seventy kings were with thumbs and their big toes cut off, used to pick up scraps under my table. As I have done, so God has repaid me. And they brought him to Jerusalem, and he died there. And the men of Judah fought against Jerusalem and captured it and struck it with the edge of the sword and set the city on fire. And afterwards, the men of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who lived in the hill country, in the Negev, and in the lowland. And Judah went against the Canaanites who lived in Hebron. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba. And they defeated Sashai and Ahinam and Talmai. From there, they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name Debir was formerly Kiriath and Caleb said, You tax Kiriathifer and captures it, will give Asak, my daughter, to a wife. And Othmel, the son of Kines, Caleb's younger brother, captured it. And he gave him Asak, his daughter, for a wife. When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she dismounted from a donkey. And Caleb said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Give me a blessing. Since you have set me in the land of the Negev, give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. And the descendants of the Canaanites, Moses' father-in-law, went up with the people of Judah from the city of Palms into the wilderness of Judah, which lies in the Negev near Erit. And they went and settled with the people. And Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and they defeated the Canaanites who inhabited Zepheth and devoted it to it to destruction. So the name of the city was called Horma. Judah also captured Geza with its territory and Ashkelon with its territory and Ekron with its territory. And the Lord was with Judah and took possessions of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain because they had chariots of iron. 
And Hebron was given to Caleb, as Moses had said. And he drove out from the three sons of Enoch. But the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusite who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites after lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. The house of Joseph also went up against the Bethel, and the Lord was with them. And the house of Joseph scouted out Bethel. Now the name of the city was formerly Luz. And the spies saw a man coming out of the city, and they said to him, Please show us the way into the city, and we'll deal kindly with you. And he showed them the way into the city, and they struck the city with the edge of the sword. But they let the man and all his family go. And the man went to the land of the Hittites and built the city and called its name Luz. That is its name to this day. Manasseh did not drive out the inhabitants of Bachia in its villages, Tanakh and its villages, or the inhabitants of Dor and its villages, or the inhabitants of Ibliam and its villages, or the inhabitants of Megiddo and its villages, for the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. When Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but did not drive them out completely. And Ephraim did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites lived in Gezer among them. Zebulon did not drive out the inhabitants of Kithron. And the inhabitants of Naalon to the Canaanites lived among them because became subject to forced labor. Asher did not drive out the inhabitants of Echo and the inhabitants of Sidon or Elab or of Elab, or of Exib, or of Helba, or of Ephik, or Rehob. So the Asherites lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land, for they did not drive them out. Naphtali did not drive out the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh, or the inhabitants of Beth Anath. So they lived among the Canaanites, the inhabitants of the land. Nevertheless, the inhabitants of Beth Shemesh and Beth Anath became subject to forced labor for them. The Amorites pressed the people of Dan back into the hill country, for they did not allow them to come down to the plain. The Amorites persisted in dwelling the Mount Heres in Agilon and Zelbim, for the hand of the house of Joseph rested heavily on them, and they became subject to forced labor. And the border of the Amorites ran from the ascent of Akram, from Shelah, and upward. And then follows the text. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give you to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this that you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lifted up their voices and wept, and they called the name of the place Bokim, and they sacrificed there to the Lord.
In response to the gospel, we will sing as our Amen song, Psalm 79, the verses, sorry, Psalm 34, the verses 3 and 4. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I will quote some sensational headlines. Family feud leaves 69 brothers dead. Powerful government leader caught in love nest. Gang rape leads to victims' dismemberment. Girls at party kidnapped and forced to marry strangers. Woman judge says travelers no longer safe on highways. Sensational headlines like these are usually found on the front page of our papers, but these headlines actually describes some of the events in the first chapter of the book of Judges, the verses 9, 16, 19, 21. And all these events are in glaring contrast to the closing chapters of the book of Joshua. There, at the end of Joshua, the people of God were resting from war. There, they enjoyed the riches of God had given them in the promised land. But Judges pictures Israel in a different way. The people are suffering. They are suffering from invasion, slavery, poverty, and civil war. And sadly enough, it is not because of the attacks from outside the church. Judges speaks of unbelief and hypocrisy and the result of both within the church. Why this big difference between the book of Joshua and the book of Judges? What happened with the people of God? Well... A new generation took over. A generation that knew neither Joshua nor the God of Joshua. At least we read that the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works that the Lord had done for Israel. But either the older generation had failed to instruct their children and grandchildren in the ways of the Lord, or they had faithfully taught them 
the new generation refuse to submit themselves to God's law and to follow God's ways. And as a result, the rest in the promised land slowly but surely disappeared. The new generation did not want to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. They preferred the idolatry of the godless nations around them. And in this, this way, they plunged into spiritual, moral, and political disaster. And in our text, we hear the inside story, why the rest disappeared, and why the promised land became a veil of tears. And in this way, I may summarize the message of our text. At Bokim, the promised land becomes a veil of tears. And we'll see that the angel of the Lord points to the given rest. The angel of the Lord points to the broken rest. And the angel of the Lord points to the eternal rest. At Bokim, the promised land becomes a veil of tears. And the angel of the Lord points to the given rest, the broken rest, and the eternal rest. We must listen carefully when we hear that the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bokim. For what is happening here? We know nothing about the exact appearance of the angel, but it is clear that it is much more than an ordinary manifestation of an angel, remarkable as that would be. The clue is in the words the angel spoke. He does not say, God let you up from Egypt. No, he uses the first person throughout. I let you up from Egypt. I swore and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. In other words, the angel of the Lord is God himself appearing to his people in the form of a creature, an angel. And to be more specific, you may add the text in which the angel of the Lord is mentioned to the proof text of Lord's Day 21, question answer 54. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Christian Church? I believe that the Son of God gathers, defends, and preserves for himself a church chosen to everlasting life. He is gathering his people from the beginning of the world, we confess in the same Lord's Day. And every time when you hear about the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, you hear about the appearance of the Son of God. You see our Savior Christ before his birth in Bethlehem, before his incarnation, before his coming in the flesh, he takes the form of a creature, an angel, a human being alike. And in this period of the history of the church, 
the Son of God is very active as well. He is continuously busy gathering, defending, preserving his people. And he announces and proclaims the salvation for his people. And he executes this salvation as well. Take for instance Exodus 14 verse 19. When the people, God's people were threatened by the pursuing Egyptians. And then we hear. Then the angel of the Lord was going before the host of Israel. Moved and went behind them. The angel of the Lord came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And in this way, the Lord saved his people out of the hand of the Egyptians. The salvation of God's people is at stake. The gathering of his church. And for that reason, if necessary, the angel of the Lord destroys his enemies and punishes his people. As head of the church, he gathers and preserves his people. And this was the promise at Mount Sinai, immediately after the exodus out of Egypt as well. There the Lord said to his people in what we read in the book of Exodus, Behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. I be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I blot them out. I will send my terror before you and will throw into confusion all the people against whom you shall come. And I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites and the Hittites from before you. And in the same context we hear about the divine wisdom and the heavenly and holy upbringing. I will not drive them out before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. This is God's program to give his people the promised land, the rest he has spoken about. And in our text today, we hear about the angel of the Lord again. He came up from Gilgan to Bauke. And you will wonder, what does it mean? That he came up from Gilgal. Well, in Gilgal, the people of God celebrated the feast of the rolling away of the reproach of Egypt. Joshua 4 and 5. In Gilgal we hear about the renewal of the covenant. The generation which would die in the wilderness had died. And all the men were circumcised. The people of Israel celebrated the Passover feast at Gilgal. And there the angel of the Lord, the commander of the army of the Lord, encouraged Joshua, the leader of Israel... Joshua should not fight in his own strength. It is the battle of the Lord. 
and he has to settle all debt with the inhabitants of Canaan. Israel owned the land according to the promise of God, but they did not possess the land yet. And therefore the Lord will come with his armies to conquer the promised land, and Israel will receive a place in his battle. And the Lord assured Joshua of victory as he began his campaign to conquer Canaan. And now the commander of the army of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, appears again. And he examines the efforts and the progress of the battle. He came up from Gilgal. And he followed the track Israel made in conquering the land. And what is his first conclusion? I have shown my faithfulness. I did my part. In a short summary, we hear what he did. I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. The Lord kept his part of the covenant. And this is obvious from the first chapter of Judges. The book of Judges starts with a series of victories, the verses 1 to 20. Initially, the people of Israel wisely sought the guidance of God. They asked the Lord which tribe was to engage the enemy first. Judah had to go up. According to God's promise, Judah was the kingly tribe and had to show leadership there as well. Indeed, I, the Lord, have delivered the land into his hands. And Judah believed God's promise, obeyed God's counsel, and all the tribes still worked together. Judah even asked the people of the tribe of Simeon to go to battle with him. Since Leah had given birth to Judah and Simeon, these tribes were blood brothers, and Simeon actually had its inheritance within the tribe of Judah. And with God's help, the two tribes conquered the Canaanites and the Perizzites at Bezek. And even the heathen Adonai Bezek praised the righteousness and faithfulness of God. The Lord gave Adonai Bezek his just desert. When they cut off his thumbs and big toes. Seventy kings with their thumbs and big toes cut off used to pick up scraps under my table. As I have done, says Adonai Bezek, so God has repaid me. And to make a long story short, what is important out about this military history well, that the Lord was with Judah. And that is what gave them victory. If the angel of the Lord guards, and if God be before us, who can be against us? Truly the Lord is faithful in all his words and works. The Lord had committed himself unconditionally to his people. I will never break my covenant with you. 
That was a pledge made on the base of God's eternal covenant with Abraham. When he called Abraham, he promised him, among other things, that his seed would possess the land that he would give them. And this promise became the foundation of God's dealings in history with his people. On the base of that covenant, God reached into Egypt and delivered his people from slavery. Under Joshua, he brought them into the promised land. And under the guidance of the angel of the Lord, the Son of God as their commander-in-chief, their initial conquering and purging of the country started successfully. And he says, I will never break my covenant. He has not and will not. In fact, he cannot he is a faithful God who cannot deny himself. And this conclusion of the angel of the Lord gives us great comfort. He assures us the Lord will keep his promises. He does not add on all kinds of hidden conditions and its and maybe, ifs, maybes. He does what he says. How do you know that your sins are forgiven? The Lord said so. How do you know that you have eternal life? The Lord said so. How do you know that we are his children? The Lord said so. And he never goes back on his word. That is the ultimate rest we have. Later, Paul will encourage Timothy in the terminal of life. Remember that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you may say the angel of the Lord, our commander-in-chief, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but... The word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. And this brings us to the second aspect we will see. Did you notice what Paul said, really said to Timothy? He added, if we are faithless... He remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That's obvious in our text as well. We did not only hear that the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal, but we hear that the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim. What does that mean? 
If you take a map, the city of Bokin is nowhere to be found. But it is not difficult to understand this name Bokim is a characterization of Bethel at this stage of history. The Lord often uses names to bring a message across. And Bokim means weeping. As said, Bethel is here called Bohim, a second name. We know, for instance, that Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, was buried there near Bethel under the Ellen Begut, a translation of the Oak of Weeping, Genesis 35, verse 8. In our text, it is clear that there is the possibility to sacrifice in Bohem. And we also know that at the end of the book of Judges, the people of Israel call a meeting together in Bethel to sacrifice the Lord. Then too is said, they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly. Chapter 21. And in this way we may read our text. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bokin, you may say, to the weeping city. The angel of the Lord came to a second conclusion after the examination of the progress of the conquest. Your eyes start filling with tears. What the commander-in-chief had noticed is enough to make you cry. If you realize what has happened, you can only conclude this. The promised land had become a veil of tears. At Gilgal, the people could laugh about the faithfulness of God. At Bohem, however, the people of Israel had to weep about their own unfaithfulness and disobedience. What had been the actual problem, a promise in God in Exodus 23? Behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice and do not rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all what I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and adversary to your adversaries. Then my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Debesites, and I blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do, but you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest then you may sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. And the same words are quoted in our text. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. 
And the angel of the Lord, the Son of God, said to his people, After what I have seen, it is enough to make you cry. You have not obeyed my voice. And the second conclusion of the angel of the Lord is correct as well. Because what did we read in chapter 1? Verse 19. Judah did not drive out the Canaanites in the valley because of the Canaanites had iron chariots. And this seemed perhaps logical. Judah was outgunned. But in fact, that was not the reason at all. God had promised that he would drive out the enemy. And Judah didn't obey the commandments of the Lord completely. They did not trust the Lord. Diminished power is always the result of diminished faith. And the rest of the chapter lists the partial weaknesses of the other tribes. And the lesson of Judges 1 is very clear. The angel of the Lord, the Son of God, points to the broken rest. The people of Israel deliberately chose to obey God only partly. Rather than following the Lord wholeheartedly, they compromised. They went halfway. And that compromise means inevitable catastrophe. The angel of the Lord spelled out the consequences. Bohem, it's enough to make you cry. The rest is broken through the disobedience of God's people. It will not be possible to live in rest because of their disobedience. The Canaanites will always be their enemies and they will break the rest of God's people. The promised land will be a veil of tears. And when the people realized what God was saying, they began to weep. Bohem. The second conclusion of the angel is enough to make you cry. For the consequence of these words will be bad. There will be no peace. There will be no joy. The nations in the land of Canaan will become thorns that will afflict Israel and traps that will ensnare them. Israel will look to the Canaanites for pleasure but will only experience pain. They will rejoice in their freedom only to see that freedom turn into their bondage. They wept and they sacrificed there to the Lord in a shallow and temporarily sorrow. The rest of the chapter makes clear that they did not weep and sacrifice because of true repentance, but only because of the bad consequences of their sins. And now you will understand the words of the Lord in the letter to the Hebrews for us. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, discerning the thought and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him who warned, to whom we must give account. Hebrews 4. And who of you here in church will be saved then? 
Let's follow the advice the apostles gave in the same context. Hold fast the confession that you have. A great high priest in heaven, the angel of the covenant, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. In this veil of tears because of our sins, let us go boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find help in times of need. For we have in the angel of the Lord a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Through him we will find eternal rest. The third aspect. Despite their sins and unbelief, God had turned his back on his people. The angel did not appear to announce that in frustration. He was breaking his covenant. Now the purpose of his coming for Gilgal to the city of tears was a purpose of grace to bring his children into eternal rest. And the angel of the Lord acts according to his word. If you serve the gods of the Canaanites, it will surely be a snare to you. The angel of the Lord spells out the consequences of their disobedience. All right, you will not obey and drive out the Canaanites. That was your decision, and now you have to live with it. I'm not going to drive them out. I'm going to leave them. You are going to experience the consequences of your disobedience. And those people are going to drag you down. They're going to be a constant nuisance and share to you, snare to you. And if you will take a map and call all the territories where the Canaanites remained, then you will see that the coastal strips and the two edges, one just under Jerusalem and the other at the heights of Mount Carmel, remained the possession of the heathen tribes. Truly thorns in the sight of Israel. But in this way, the Lord will preserve his church and show his grace. For the Lord said in Exodus 23:20, For my angel will go before you and you will bring you into the promised land and destroy the heathen nations. It is the same angel of the Lord, the Son of God, who will save Israel, his people. In his love and pity he will redeem them. And in Malachi's time, we hear the promise that the angel of the Lord will appear again. The same angel of the Lord will prepare the way to God when it is clear that his people can't save themselves because of their sins and disobedience. In the time of the judges, the people of God still had a long way to go. And it will be a history of accumulation of sins. It goes from bad to worse. And in the end, the Lord will send his people even into exile. But then we hear the prophet Malachi. Behold, I sent my messengers, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom... You delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. 
The word of God that is quoted is in Mark 1, 2. Behold, I send my messenger before your faith, who will prepare your way before you. The angel of God, the son of God, he will give eternal rest. The people of God are still suffering in this world. The church is under attack. The headlines in our paper speak volumes. It's good to remember that the apostle says that you may not follow the example of the Israelites and become sluggish throughout lukewarmness or partial obedience. You have to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promised land of eternal, the promise of eternal rest. And for that reason, says the Apostle James, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Blessed is the child of God that remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Be patient and establish your heart for the coming of the Lord. The eternal rest is at hand. Those who endure are blessed. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. For the angel of the Lord, the Son of God, gathers, defends, and preserves a church chosen to everlasting life, the eternal rest we are waiting for. Amen.
Let's pray. And in our prayer, we also mention our brother Henk Huyvink, who was in Melbourne and had to be admitted into the hospital during the past week. And thankfully, he could return, but he still has to stay in Melbourne for quite some time to recover. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, in our Lord Jesus Christ, we bless your holy name that you love us so much that you have placed us in the hands of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in him you have given us our complete salvation. Without him it is not possible for us to do what is right according to your will. For you are righteous, and by nature we are depraved. But in Christ you have taken away our guilt so that we thank, say thanks to your grace, can stand before your throne without fear of condemnation. And therefore, Lord, work in us through your word and spirit a strong faith of us that we do not follow the pattern of the old Israel, the church of previous time, but that we are willing to show our thankfulness for your grace in doing, living according to your will. Although we are in the world, let us not be of the world. But let there be a clear distinction between us and the rest of mankind. Even as our Lord Jesus was holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners, so may it be with us as faithful believers in Christ. May we follow him, and may we not know and follow the voice of strangers that will lead us to sin. We pray you for the preservation of your church in this world and especially for her purity. O oh, Father, keep us in your arms. Yes, we can be sure that we will be tempted for that is Satan's business to influence our depraved nature. Let the evil one not prevail against us. We ask that we may be washed in the waters of regeneration and given us the renewing of our minds through Jesus Christ. If you see any fault in us, and we know you do, wash us that you may be clean. Are we lacking in any virtue? Give that we may show a perfect character to your glory, to, to the glory of your holy name. Thanks to your grace, there is no damnation for all who are in Christ. And therefore we come to you in the name of Christ. And we ask you, impute to us all his merits. Keep us by your spirit with him in the communion of all his benefits, for they are more than sufficient to acquit us of our sins. May your son Jesus Christ sanctify us in the truth and lead to the truth those who are not listening to your word. Therefore also bless the preaching of your word all over the world and bless all the work that is done in supporting the preaching of the gospel. We ask you to bless the work done in Papua New Guinea, 
The youth could have their youth conference in lay and give that the youth is encouraged to live in faith. We are also thankful that the Dioma family safely arrived in Port Moresby. Surround them with your care and give Reverend Dioma what is necessary. Now he will start his work at the Bible College. We are thankful that candidate Timothy Sly and his wife arrived in PNG to get acquainted with the work done at the mission field so that he can make a well-considered decision regarding the call extended to him. Guide him with your word and spirit. We also informed that Reverend Cody Swaving declined the call from the Toronto Mission Board to work at the college. Although it is for us a disappointment, we know that it is according to your counsel, and he made this decision under your control. Give the mission board in Toronto what is necessary to continue the calling for a proper teacher for the college. Let it be for the well-being of the mission work and the churches in PNG. We, are de- we confess that we, de- that we are dependent on your word. And therefore, for that reason, we ask you, bless the preaching of the gospel among us. We are thankful that our minister, Reverend Poppy, can have some holidays and relax. Give him and his family a blessed time. Surround them with your care so that later after his holidays his work may continue among us and the gospel can be proclaimed. Work with your word and spirit in our hearts. We also ask you for Dathan Pleiter who has to prepare himself for the exam at classes. Give him what is necessary to prepare so that he can be eligible for a call and surround them with your care. You have chosen the church to be a pillar and ground of the truth. Truth. We may live in a free country. Make us and our children faithful in our contact with you, that we meditate your word daily and that there is an increase in faithfulness in our personal life. We pray for this world. All the victims of war, violence, and disasters, comfort them, help them, give that they may hear and cling to your gospel of the only comfort in life and death, and give that aid can be given with generosity of people who are really concerned with the need of our fellow creatures. We pray for our government. Give what is necessary to our Premier, Mr. Cook, especially also that he may find you as the one who rules his life and Australia. And give Mr. Cook a change of heart so that he may rule our state according to your will for the benefit of our country and the honor of your name. Give all in authority in our local community at the level of our state and federation what is necessary to rule our country according to your word. We pray for all your children who do not have the opportunity to live in freedom. Comfort your children under persecution. Take that burden off their shoulder. And if that is not possible because of your counsel, we ask you encourage them and give them a strong face so that they may glorify your name in their sufferings. We are all weak people in adversities, but especially in prosperity of life. We are in danger of going astray. Give that we all may use the prosperity we live in for the glory of your name. 
and therefore give us all the perseverance of faith, for it is only possible to persevere thanks to your faithfulness. We plead upon your promise to be your children, so that we serve you with our entire heart. Bless all the work done in the kingdom. You have blessed us in several ways. We express our thankfulness because of all the good things we have received, our health, our task to do, our work, the senses of life, clothing, food, much more, the holidays the children may have. You have blessed us in abundance. And again, you have preserved our lives and the lives of our loved ones. This week, our sister Frances Jensen and brother and sister Alistair and Rita Klein, together with their families, will remember the Lord willing their special days. Sister Frances Jensen, her birthday, and brother and sister Klein, their 25th wedding anniversary. Really special days to remember, to remember your faithfulness in good days and more difficult days. And therefore, a heartfelt thank you, Lord, comes up out of our hearts. The past years and the time to come, we may celebrate because of your faithfulness. We also commend to you all who have faced difficulties and are confronted with illnesses, some already for a longer period of time. Unfortunately, Brother Hank Hoving had to be admitted into the hospital because of pneumonia during the absence during their stay in Melbourne. We are thankful that our brother is recovering and go back, but although there are still some restrictions and he can't travel, give full recovery and a firm confidence that you will give whatever necessary. Give him, his wife, and all of us that we may look upon you and expect everything out of your hands. We pray you, be with us in all our circumstances Help us that we serve you and praise your name. Help us to use all your gifts in a responsible way that we will serve you and promote your kingdom. We ask you, guide us in our lives and give us the strength to show our thankfulness in everything we do so that people may come and glorify your name. Lord, when we count our blessings, we have no time enough to praise your name. Let our whole life here on earth be a demonstration of true thankfulness in everything we do. To you, the alone wise God, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. You have now the opportunity to set your gifts apart. And after that, we will sing as our closing song, Psalm 34, the verses 6 and 7.
Lift up your hearts unto God to receive the blessing of the Lord and depart in peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.